And we're recording. Uh, welcome, everybody, to the show. It is uh, my esteemed pleasure to introduce a special guest tonight, uh, U.S. Army Ranger, U.S. Air Force Pararescue, and host of Forged in Fire, Mr. Will Willis. Will? Uh, thank, you. thank you very much. Former host of Forged in Fire. For, former host of Forged in Fire. But uh, yeah. <laughs> if, if you watched any of the previous five years, I think it ran, this yeah. is the guy yelling at the bladesmiths. Yeah, yeah, the guy that, that started it all. No, I didn't start it all. You know, you know, it's funny is I replaced another guy with great titles and credibility. You know what I mean? So, yeah, so somebody else filmed the pilot, and the, and then they brought me on, and then and then after they're done with me, they they moved on to the next guy. So, you know, it, it is what it is. So I do have a question. I'm yeah. curious. You know, you're a U.S. Army Ranger. You're in third bat. Mm -hmm. You leave the army. You go to the Air Force. Become a pararescue, and if the, the listeners are not familiar with what a PJ is, you need to be because they're, they are the top of the top uh, for you in the Air Force. Search and, and rescue and recovery specialist, yeah. So my question, I think, really, is it comes down to which is your favorite movie, Black Hawk Down or Last Full Measure? Ah, man, you know, I, uh, I next question, pass. <laughs> <laughs> Will do you have one that that you, would you have one that's over the to two of those? No, I mean, look, man. I, when I watch those movies, you know, and you know some of the players that are involved, and you work with. Right. I showed up to Third Ranger Battalion in in March after after Mogadishu went down, and um, there 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 was still some stuff. There was still some stuff. There was still a lot of emotion and 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 stuff going on with it. So. Uh, you know, and, and then to also know some of the players involved and, and to know the army had to change the name of some of the guy, you know, one of the guys because of his, yep. you know, criminal activity. And, and, you know, I mean, it was just, I wasn't there, you know what I mean? And I, I think that that's a better question for guys that were there. I watched the movie, it, 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 nothing, you know, I knew the guys. That's it. I knew the guys. And even the PJs that were in the movie, I met later when I became a PJ. So it's, it's a different, it's, it, you get in two different perspectives. You got the real, real world versus the fake world. And it's always hard for me to watch any kind of movie about the military because the, you know, the first thing you start doing is shooting holes in it. Like what the fuck ever, man, you know, this is my safety. What the fuck? <laughs> Come on, nobody yeah, says my that. Yeah, I, then, I tend to do that. My wife says that I ruin the movies for her sometimes when I do that. Yeah, but like, but here's the thing, you know, America's got a love-hate relationship with the military, you know. Uh, they love the stories that come out of the military, but they hate to know what the fuck is really happening over there, you know. They hate to know that their sons and daughters are shooting the faces off of our enemies, you know. That, 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 I, I don't want to hear about that, but, but you know, you hear a great story like uh, Mike Murphy and the last full measure and – and yeah, those wow. guys, and, and, and you know, you, 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 just the extraordinary nature of it. And you're like, oh, that's great entertainment. Not for those motherfuckers that live it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and to turn it around and turn it into entertainment. I mean, here's the thing. You have the collaboration of the guys, you know, and, 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 and in a lot of ways it honors the guys and stuff. But for me, I can't. I, I have a hard time watching it. I have a hard time watching it. And uh, not because I experienced all of those things. I just... I, I'm more into like the fucking Beastmaster, man. That's total fantasy. 
You know what I mean? Don't we don't we have enough conflict in the real world, man? Let's watch some fucking Star Wars. You know what I mean? Like, like you know that. Let's just like, you know, why do we have to relive that trauma over and over and over again? For me, you know what I mean? Like, if it's traumatic, you know, anytime something like that happens in the special operations uh, 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 community, there are there's a huge ripple effect, and um, and you know why go through it over and over and over again? You know, I, I, I'm more about, you know, a, a nice slapstick comedy. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. So, so how did you transition from the military to acting? Well, uh, it wasn't direct. It was all by accident. I kind of forced Gump my way into it. I answered an email from the Pararescue Association, you know, and, and then just it, one thing turned into another. And I just kept saying yes to shit. You know, I just, uh, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll give it a shot. And, and, you know, I mean, I was trying to figure out a way to, to make a living outside of the military. You know, I, I, I was like, what am I going to do when I can't jump out of planes anymore? When I can't shoot guns anymore? When I can't, when, when, when all of this stuff goes away and I'm retired like my dad was and he had to go to picking corn. You know what I mean? To to for 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 a friend to make some cash until he found a job at Target and stuff like that. Like, you know, what what am I gonna do like with myself? I said, I've always taken risks. I've always taken risks, you know, whether it was jumping out of planes or 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 helicopters or getting left in the North Atlantic Ocean by a by a helicopter that was having a malfunction, you know, there's always been risks involved in everything that I did, but usually it was a life and death risk. What am I really risking by trying something that's outrageous? What am I really risking? And what could be the reward on the backside if, if, I, if I'm good at it or if I'm successful? I'd always thought about it. You know, I was the guy that, uh, that memorized all the movie quotes. And people would be like, you know, we're in the field, be like, Willis, come over here, do a few good men, do, do, the, do the end, do the end. And I would do it. Willis, it's Banner Day. We want to hear the Braveheart speech. Come over here. Do the Braveheart speech. Do the one. <laughs> you know, like I was that guy. I mean, and, and, and there are still stories about me kind of doing, the, you know, these antics, you know. And, and I was always the guy that was out to tell a story, hear a story, entertain, the, you know, other guys with stories, you know, create some stories and, and stuff. So it seemed like a, nat- a step in the in, – a natural step or a step in that direction seemed natural is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. I was King bullshitter. So like, why not go to the biggest bullshit place on the planet and get paid for it? <laughs> well, you said you kept say- saying yes. I didn't, they teach you in the military not to say yes to anything. Don't, don't volunteer. <laughs> no, I mean, they did. They're like, don't volunteer for anything, but I volunteered for everything. Like, uh, who wants to be the first guy to let the dog attack you at Sears school? Yeah, me, I'll do that. (laughs) I was always the guy. I was always down. Like, let's, let's get it on, man. Yeah. You had mentioned, you know, jumping out of planes. Were you jump master qualified? Yeah, I was a military free fall jump master. Okay. Yeah. So I'm a jump master as well, and it was very uh, reminiscent to hear you yelling at the bladesmiths, the uh, the time commands. I was like, no, nah, that motherfucker's a jump master. Hey, hey, Nobody th- shouts like that. And you know what's funny is that I would also give, I would also sometimes give the calls, you know what I mean? I'd be like 30 seconds, ah, you know, or one minute, 
You know what I mean? I, I would actually use the hand and arm signals that you would use in military free fall, you know, sometimes. And, and, you know, whether or not it was caught on camera or caught by anybody else, you know, it was, I it's, just, it's, I recognized the voice and I was like, Nope, that's jump master right there. Oh yeah. You gotta, yeah, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta sound off so that everybody can hear you in the, in the bird at the front of the bird. So yeah, that's how it is, man. If you, if you don't got pipes, you don't have no business yeah. being a jump master. Yeah. So how did you, uh, so you, you did the forge and fire as a, as a, uh, a lark, we'll call it, uh, that lasted for five seasons, right? But, well, I mean, that wasn't the first show I did. I mean, I, I did two shows for the military channel. One was special ops mission and the other one was triggers weapons that changed the world. And that was, you know, about the evolution of guns. Special ops mission was about kind of the capabilities of, 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 of a single special operator against a, an opposing force. And, that was kind of a farce, not a farce, but like you know, my first experience in Hollywood it, 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 with, uh, with, uh, I, yeah, I guess Hollywood, I guess is what you could call it. It was my first experience with reality TV and the entertainment industry. Triggers was a more traditional hosted show that, you know, I really enjoyed doing. I mean, it, it was, it was a lot of fun and I probably handled more weapons in two years than, than a lot of guys handle most people handle in their entire lifetime. I'd say I've had my hands on a more diverse array of weapons than, than all, but maybe a, a few thousand people in the world. I'd say I'm in the top thousand people that have like with the number of weapons that I've handled and shot, including like a Swedish leather cannon on, on us soil. Nobody's ever done that except me that I know of. So like, I mean, like I, I've, I've there's been some great, moments for me i got to go to the nra museum and hold a gun that belonged to jesse james and it was the curator of the museum's personal gun you know in his personal collection you know i i, I got to hold a, a, a han solo's pistol you know from star wars because it was on it happened to be on display at the museum when i was there i got to go over to sweden and shoot shoot uh uh, uh go to the uh uh, shoot the uh, AT4s and stuff like that because we were at uh, what is the name of that company? I can't think of it. So, uh, was it Sob Dynamic? Not Sob Dynamic. What was it? I, I don't remember what it was, but the, they they make cars and weapons. <laughs> but Sob, uh, Sob's I, into yeah, they're into planes. Yeah, yeah I think it weapons. is Sob Dynamics yeah. uh, in Karlskoga, Sweden. I think I think it is where we shot the Carl Goose. You know, I got to shoot the Carl's Gustav in Sweden. You know, so I had a lot of really great opportunities and, and I did a lot of really fun stuff. And and um, I think the industry in, in a lot of ways, you know, uh, has has bitten me, you know, it, it, it bit me, you know, because those first two shows, the whole time I was filming, them, like, like the first one, I was driving a cab in between episodes, you know, it didn't pay me a lot of money. I just and I was just got out of the military I was trying to figure things out. And then uh, the second one, I was the I was teaching tactical emergency trauma care uh, as a as a real full time job, and then just kind of doing that show it, during my available time, you know, with the company, and, and, you know, with that production company, and and uh, and it all worked out really well. And and so I guess I take for granted I took for granted a little bit how easy it was in the beginning, because later on, you know, when things were or when there was a longer stall or whatever, I. You know, I had to really kind of reevaluate some things, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I think everybody that's in that business goes through that, right? They go through that 
you know, am I it's doing the, the right flow, thing? Man. Yeah. It's the ebb and flow. It's the up and down, you know, I mean, you know, it's, it's a feaster or famine sort of business or it can be in, in, and and that's fine. That's the nature of the beast. And and uh, you know, it's all about interpersonal relationships and professionalism and and the, and stuff like that. And being able to do your job when you're there and do it well. And um, I think that a lot of it, a lot of military personnel gravitate to the to the crew side of things because it is structured a lot like a military unit. So you know, the, in the entertainment industry, it it it's different. Than a lot of businesses in a lot of ways, but then there are similarities in a lot of ways, you know. So, uh, but but coming from an all military background, I've had a hard time adjusting. <laughs> yeah, most most guys do. The uh, the one thing I find cathartic is getting on a bike and taking a ride and feeling the wind in my face. It seems like no matter what the hell's going on in the world, no matter how mad I am. I can do an hour. My wife will encourage me sometimes to go take a ride because she knows it just transforms me. Um, and I know about the classic car bug that you have. Um, yeah. What about the motorcycles and maybe a favorite bike, favorite route you could share with us? Okay. I uh, I ride a Harley, a 2004 Harley Davidson Sportster that has a 2012 front end. <laughs> and uh, it used to be a 2009 front end and, and it's just beat the hell and it's covered in stickers that are peeling off. And, you know, I bought it so that I could ride back and forth to San Diego when I was, when I was working at Camp Pendleton, we're not San Diego, when I was working uh, out of uh, Bonsall at Camp Pendleton, I taught tactical emergency trauma care. So I bought this for this bike so that I could commute faster. I could split lanes. Right. And uh, and then it became like, man, how fast can I can I get home? And, yeah, you know, and, and and you know, I I started riding very very fast and loose on, on my bike, and and it you know it's really tucked in. It was a, it. I love that bike. I love that little bike, man. And I laid it down. It, it's a few times. I've laid it down a few times. Probably uh, what, when was the last time? Maybe the fifth. The last time was the fifth time I had laid it down and um, and somehow I come out of it on the other side, you know, OK. And I, I'm talking like on the highway, highway speeds. I've I've come off the bike and, and just like sailed down the road. Um, but that's my favorite bike. And I just got it out of the shop from a Harley dealership out in out in uh, Thousand Oaks. Uh, they had it for four months. For four months, they had this bike, and it was killing me. It was, it was sapping my soul. And now it's all cold and icy outside, and I can't even ride it back up at the mount up the mountain. It's parked at my father in law's house, and I miss it. Yeah. I saw I saw your post on the porch with the with your uh, your little guy, and the snow was coming down. And I I thought about you because I'm in Pennsylvania. Yeah, and, uh, it, we had 16 inches of snow the other day. It melted off in two days. My wife says, what are you doing? I said, I'm going for a ride. She said, it's like 20 degrees outside. I said, but the roads are clear. So, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's that. yeah man, I, I I will take my bike out when it's cold. So you asked about favorite uh, favorite routes, you know what I mean? And, and uh, I like driving on mountain roads you know what i mean i like the i like the windy roads i haven't had a chance to ride the harley up here and tell you the truth the, the triumph that i that i have uh i don't like it 
I don't I don't like how high centered it is. It, it doesn't ride um, the best for me. Somebody else might like that. I rode the thing across the country. You know what I mean with a sissy bar on it. You know what I mean. But I don't I don't uh, I don't personally you know like riding it on those roads. I don't feel as comfortable with it as I do with my Harley because it's a little bit more low slung to the ground. You know what I mean. And and I'm just more comfortable in that space. I used to like to ride. And this is going to sound so cliche, the 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 U.S. one highway uh, on a sure. full moon night, on a full moon night, just yeah, like nothing cliche about up. And I'm talking like two or three o'clock in the morning, just like put down my because I I have a I used to have a, a real hard time sleeping, you know what I mean, and especially when I was in college. And, uh, you know, I'm always up doing homework. I was averaging maybe three, four hours of sleep a night. But like to get on the bike, just blow out to the to the high to the, uh, you know, the US one and ride the coast and just it's on a full moon night where you can just see that moon like reflecting off of that ocean. And that cold air is just filling up your lungs and and you're not even aware that you're breathing in and out. It's almost like it's almost like it's just washing through your body. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about. It's, I the do, same, man. it's the same thing in free fall. You're not breathing. It's almost like air is just washing through you like a fish, like a fish, you know, just swims. It, was just, it just happens. And and you feel it and you can you can see so much more when you're on the bike. Your perception of the world is so much more different when you're on the bike. You're so much more apt. You're not on the phone. You're not on the radio. You're not doing any crap. You're just paying attention to what's in front of you and what's around you. And that's what I love about about motorcycle riding. I don't jump out of planes anymore, but getting on a bike and feeling that that, you know, that kind of baptism. Uh, uh, it really does me a lot of good. Yeah. Yeah. James and I did a trip up the central coast not too long ago. And I tell you what, uh, when it's snowing 16 inches here, I keep mm-hmm. remembering about those trips. <laughs> out yeah. west, you know? And, uh, yeah. but man, I tell you, so triumph, uh, which triumph do you have? I have a triumph. I have a 2012 triumph, uh, Thruxton 900. I yeah. think that's the 900. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> like it's a it's a powerful, fast little bike. It, I'm not even going to say little bike. It's a powerful, fast bike. You know what I mean? It, it's a, it, like I said, it, it sits up a little high for me um, and uh, and it just feels a little bit squirrely. Like I don't have as much uh, control over it. Like well, on my Harley, man, I could just press my knees. And, you know, I mean, it's kind of like riding a horse, you know, where you can just press your knee in one direction or the other and the animal just reacts. Well, the steel horse reacts, you know, on my Harley, I can just press my knees. I don't I don't get that same sort of feeling, uh, you know, on the triumph. And, 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 and to tell you the truth, man, I just, you know, my wife fell in love with with me when I was riding that motorcycle and she used to call me the motorcycle guy. I mean, she talked to me about her friends and the motorcycle guy, that motorcycle guy comes back, you know what I mean? And then, uh, and then actually she reached out to me to go on our first date because she saw my motorcycle parked on the side of the road somewhere when she was driving and it had such a distinctive look to it. Couldn't be anybody else's bike, but mine. Cause it's like straight trash. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like she's like, oh, that's that motorcycle guy. 
And then uh, we had exchanged emails or something and she hit me up, man. So like, I, I love that bike. I love that bike. And, you know, sometimes it's trying to kill me, but I love that bike. It's, it's hard to describe for people that don't ride what we mean when we talk about being one with a bike and yeah. that feeling of being so connected that I'm thinking of turning left and the bike's with me. It's already, yeah, yeah. it's going there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and being so comfortable, you know, with the bike that sometimes you, like I said, you know, you, you just connected to something else. You know, you're connected to the bike, you're aware, I mean, you're hyper aware, but it becomes an extension of, of you. And you just, you know, now you're part of something else because you're just feeling it all around. Like when I talk about, again, that, that, that airflow, that relative wind, it becomes, you're just feeling just movement all around you. And, and, and to me, that's, yeah, I love that feeling, you know? Yeah, I yeah, do ride with Chris and I used to listen to music or I'd listen to a, like a book on tape or, or podcast. But I find myself now I'll ride 12 hours in a day and not listen to anything but the hum of the engine. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? It's all it is, is white noise. And if, and it's, it's soothing, it's soothing. There's, it's so soothing it's so soothing that you're like, man, I bet when I was a baby, I loved white noise. What baby doesn't love white noise and isn't soothed by white noise? How is that? It must be ingrained in our DNA. It has to be because that's what I hear. I just hear white noise when I'm riding and it's just one of the most calming things ever. And again, if you don't ride and, and like, look, there is an increased risk of, of having an accident when you ride a motorcycle. Okay. There is, I mean, just by, by the nature, it's the nature of the beast, but when you ride and you really love it, you know what I'm talking about. You really do. And, and to try to explain it to somebody else, especially like, you know, somebody, a doctor that works in the ER, you're just an organ donor. Well, well those guys, I didn't sign the card. So work harder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> no, I, I hear you though, man. I, you know, it's amazing. You say about that being in the DNA thing. That's a beautiful description of that because mm -hmm. it, it's hard to capture in words what the clarity is that you get mm -hmm. when you have just that white noise. Mm -hmm. You know, it's you, it's the bike and your surroundings. Now, do you ride with a full face? I do. I do yeah. ride with, I ride with a modular. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, see I, I, uh, I started riding with a full face, uh, on my, when I rode that triumph across the country, but I, before that I always rode with just a, a peanut shell, you know? Uh, and, and I love that too. You know, I, I, and if like in Pennsylvania, there's no helmet law. I'll take my helmet off. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it'll come off and I'll ride. I actually have a funny story about riding a motorcycle in Pennsylvania. I'm gonna <laughs> on. I was, uh, I was doing a, a practice leg of my documentary cause I filmed the documentary when I rode across and, um, I was going through Pennsylvania. I was almost out of gas and it was the hottest weekend of 2016 that summer. It was like August. It was freaking blistering. And I had already run out of gas before because it's a new bike. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. I, misjudged things and so i got caught pushing the bike during one leg you know the down leg of the trip and then on the way back up you know i'm running low on gas and i was in traffic and i was like fuck it i'm gonna split lanes and i started splitting lanes and and then people were moving over to block me and i'm like i'm not sitting in this traffic on this heat to just do this again 
And so I cut over to the shoulder and I started, you know, kind of motoring down the shoulder and this truck tried to pull me off, you know, pull in front of me and I zipped around him and I made it to the gas station. And I'm talking like when I pop the tank, you hear the And then I'm in the middle of filling up my tank. Now, keep in mind, I'm riding, I'm riding a bright red Triumph Thruxton 900. I look like I look like pretty much right now. Uh, minus maybe the beard and and I've got a sissy bar loaded up with camera gear on this cafe bike right and I'm filling it up and this truck comes pulling up and I knew it was the same truck and this guy goes hey, was that you splitting lanes and I go no <laughs> no he didn't know what to say he was like well I'm a cop and I was like Okay. He goes, I want to write you a ticket. I said, okay. And he was so pissed that he didn't know what to do. He's like, I don't have my ticket book. I'm going to call somebody. I was like, well, you better hurry because I'm leaving. (laughs) Oh, This guy was so fucking angry that he didn't know what to do with himself. And, And again, without knowing the entire situation, without knowing the entire story, not knowing like what had happened to me before and like what my ultimate goal was, was just not to get stranded on the side of the highway, you know, with this motorcycle and all this gear, like pushing uphill towards, you know, the gas station. And, uh, you know, I, it was an emergency. I did what I had to do, but it was funny. It's funny. That's my Pennsylvania story. He was just bitter that he couldn't lane split. You know, I, I don't, I, I think that he was honestly like, I think he was upset about being in traffic. <laughs> I think he really was. And then and then he was just so frustrated that he couldn't do anything to let it out, you know, that he got really pissed. He's like, you're lucky, motherfucker. And like drove away. I was like, all right, man. <laughs> it was like I was the most innocent person in, in, in the altercation, I think, other than like having broke the law. If you're going to write me a ticket, fine. Write me a ticket. I'll take it. But uh, he didn't have his ticket book, and that made him more mad. <laughs> It's just funny. But well, you get yeah. to PA again, man. You gotta holler at me. Shoot, 2016. I remember that summer. It was yeah. blistering hot. I was on my HD going up to York PA, got stuck mm-hmm. in some stop and go traffic. And I may or may not have ridden up the shoulder, you know, to get out of the heat. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. And and people don't realize like there's no turning on the AC. No. You know, when you're on that bike and the, and the, and the engine's like just burning up your freaking, your inner thighs and you're like literally sitting in a puddle of your own fluids. You know what I mean? You're like, when I get off this bike, it's going to look like I shit myself. You know what I mean? I'm going to have liquid from my, my back all the way down to my knees on the inside. You know what I'm saying? And hey. people do look at you weird. When I got to that gas station, after my bike, when I finally got to that gas station after pushing my bike uh, uh, that weekend, I walked in and they had one of those AC things that just blew cold air on you right at the door. I just stood in the, I took off my shirt and just stood in the door. I didn't give a shit what anybody said because I got sub tattoos and I was a little bit bigger back then. And, you know, I was, I was not having it. I was all hot and red and bothered. Nobody was going to say anything. So I, I just stood there for about five minutes, just letting that cold air blow on me, like riding a motorcycle, making you do kooky things. sometimes. <laughs> I stopped at a place in Arizona. Oh my God. 
another just dying in the heat story. I stopped at a place in Arizona when I finally got there and I was just laying in the shade outside the gas station <laughs> on the sidewalk, just laying there, you know, bikes parked like 15, 20 feet away. I'm just laying there and the gas station lady comes out smoking a cigarette, you know, the, the clerk. And she's like, there's no loitering here. I was like, I'm not loitering. I'm recovering from heat stroke. I was like, this is a medical emergency. <laughs> well, as long as you're not loitering. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. So you were talking about, you know, being pulled over by a, a, a cop at the, the gas station. You know, there was uh, another episode that Chris and I were talking about when I sort of got into a race unbeknownst to me with a police officer and it's another episode but uh yeah it was out in arizona and i he was not happy when uh he pulled us over and he asked me you know how fast we were going and i knew that we were clipping along really fast and i just said yeah i was doing 55 and he lost his shit in a major way now i believe your your brother is a a police officer out in arizona Is, is he still out there He's a SWAT lieutenant now, but he was a motor for years out in Peoria, Arizona. So, like, he was a traffic cop. <laughs> so, like, you guys talking about this is kind of funny. I'm like, that's my brother's stomping grounds. <laughs> it could have been him. Oh, 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 oh. got his last name, brother. Next time yeah, I'll ask. <laughs> so, you got the Triumph. You've got yeah, the Harley. Yeah, I got the Harley. And, then and that's the, it. Well, yeah, but you got the Nova. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. The, the, and the, the Mustang. Chevy, the Chevy two and the Mustang. Yeah. The Chevy two Nova. <laughs> you know, I tell people that there was a Chevy two until what, like 68. And that's when they started calling yeah. it a, a, yeah. just a Nova, you know, but uh, yeah, I've got the, uh, the 63 Chevy two. And then my wife has a, a 1967 uh, Ford Mustang GT. Oh, so that's your wife's. Cause I thought oh, yeah. maybe, you know, you were, uh, you know, little acdc there because you had a ford and a chevy in the garage because usually it's one or the other so like i i'm I'm not i'm I'm an equal opportunity automotive lover you know what i mean i've got i've got i've got a you know i've got a triumph and a harley you know what i'm saying i've I've got the chevy and the ford and i've owned both in my past i've also owned jeeps before you know and then and of course our our daily driver our flash mobile is a bmw x6 and i gotta say that's a boss fucking car man (laughs) like my neighbor's got one across the street dude i i tell you what i pass trucks with chains on all the time and i'm I'm just in regular all-wheel drive you know what I mean? The thing weighs 6,000 pounds. It's stable. It's a little bit of a beast. It doesn't drive like a regular BMW, I'm sure, but I freaking love it. I I have become a fan, you know? So, so like, as far as like our modern car, it's a very reliable and, and, and stable vehicle that, you know, is safe for flash. As far as our, our, our personal, like love automobiles. Yeah. We've got the, we've got the Nova and the Mustang. Yeah. Oh yeah. So you got the you got the Nova all torn apart though right now. The engine? Actually, she's all reassembled. Um I'm I'm having a fuel pump issue right now or a fuel pressure issue. I think I think that the the way that my 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 Chevy 2 is set up, I I ended up having to install the fuel pump in a location that really isn't uh uh the best for drawing the fuel and getting it getting it out to to the engine i'm I'm getting a little bit of loss of power and stuff like that 
Um, so, but I did replace the head gasket and I also at the same time, which was stupid. And I don't recommend this to anybody at the same time I replaced the head gaskets. I also decided to install an EFI oh. and I pulled the Holly double pumper 750 out and I put in a Holly sniper. I uh, have that in my Camaro. I love it. I love it. One problem I, at a time, boys. Um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. One problem at a time. And so, and so I, I had a hell of a time getting her to even start to tell you the truth. Yeah. Because I was troubled trying to troubleshoot so many different angles. And and believe me, I didn't mess with the sniper system. I was like, I'm not gonna get into this unless I can actually get this thing to run. And then uh I was having some timing issues, I have some valve lash issues. I th- you know, I threw a couple of uh, push rods somehow along with freaking all the rockers <laughs> underneath the valve covers one time. I'm like, what the hell? It was like my engine blew up. I, I don't know what happened. And uh, so, you know, hard lessons learned. I, I was at it for about a month. And then I finally got her running, even got her down to the our local, uh, you know, mountain uh, auto place where I get all my parts from or try to get all my parts from. You know, showed showed her off to those guys. Like, look, I don't always know what I'm talking about, but I know what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, famous last words right there. Yeah, and and then of course, you know, I really start having this fuel pump issue, and and I'm like, is it the pump? Is it is it the fuel filters? I'm and and I'm kind of looking at some different options for you know how to manage you know that 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 fuel pressure, or maybe relocating the fuel pump, but. Um, now, so but yeah, I got the 69 Camaro with the sniper. We had to put two pumps into it. So we have a pump See, up in the front and a pump in the back. It. Now, let me ask you this. When you were hitting the accelerator with a single pump, were you getting a high pitch whistle and a loss of power? I don't get a loss of power, but I get the high pitch whistle and that's the air intake. So yeah, it, 100% you know, transparency. I did not put it in. Uh, yeah. James can handle a screwdriver and not too much past that. Oh, okay. I I can do some minor stuff on a car, but when it came to putting the EFI in, we already had the car in the shop because they did the full restore on it from the frame up. But I figured while it's in there, I'll have them do it because they got to drop the sensors into the, you know, the headers and all that. And it was the second pump. Uh, When I took it out the first time I was asking him, I was like, why, where's that high pitch? I mean, I don't have a turbo on this thing. Why is it making this sound? And yeah. He said, no, it's just the air intake because it's sucking so much air. Yeah. You get that. That. Yeah. High pitch. Yeah. So no, yeah, I get okay. that, but I don't have a lot of power. Then I, I get the high pitch, but then I don't have any power. All of a sudden, especially in first gear, it'll die down, and then as it, 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 even if it stays alive, it'll kind of pick back up, and then I can bring it up to hmm. regular RPMs, regular speed. And but then when I shift again, it can it'll die down until it until it picks up again. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? It's like it's like when I first hit that accelerator, there's no fuel there to back up the uh, the request. You need yeah. the second pump. Yeah, and yeah. it has to have 50 pounds, I think, minimum. So yeah. the the original pump was for five pounds, and we ended up, when I bought the system from Holly, I ended up getting the complete system from them where it had all of the fuel pumps, all of the lines, everything. See, I did that, but it only came with a single fuel pump. Yeah, no, we have two on mine. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll look into that then. Anyway, but yeah, that's that's the Nova. That's what's been going on with the Nova, and and she's a sleeper, you know, uh, built for probably the quarter mile track. And I didn't do a ground up rebuild on it. I I, I, re- I I'm pretty good at buying cars off the internet, 
you know what I mean? Like I, I research, I ask a lot of questions. I, I, uh, and, and I, and I buy it now. <laughs> like I, I take an impulse buy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then, uh, and then when I get them, I, I sort them all out with the Nova, the Nova was actually my first ever internet, uh, uh, like straight up purchase from like, e- it was eBay. And, uh, I had it shipped to my brother's house out in Phoenix. He's a cop and, you know, had him look into it and make sure it was, cause I couldn't believe what a deal I got on. And I was like, Oh my God, this thing's amazing. And then, uh, so my brother, he like checked it out and made sure everything was all good to go. And, and then, uh, and then I went and picked it up with my two sons and we drove it out to California together. And, and that was a lot of fun. It was a great little road trip for me and my two oldest boys. So, nice. uh, how old are they? They're 23 and 20. Oh, so you're restarting. You're you're going back to ground zero, my friend. Uh, you know, I wouldn't call it ground zero because I, I'm coming back with a lot of uh, a lot of salt, <laughs> a lot of experience. So I'm I'm a lot more patient than I was when I was younger. I'm I'm a lot less broke than I was when I was younger. Uh, I'm a lot less stressed about you know is this the right thing for me than when I was younger. And and you know I. God bless my sons. You know what I mean? I really, I really cut my teeth on, on those dudes, especially my oldest man. That guy's one of the most fucking awesome individuals I've ever met for what I put him through. <laughs> Cause I didn't know shit about being a parent, man. And, uh, and, and then my youngest too, man, like those, the, the, I mean, they turned into great men and it's a tribute to, to their mom too. So like uh, with this, you know, with this, I'm coming at it with a, a, a lot different angle and, and, and even a different attitude. I'm not the same guy that I was when I was 23. That's for sure. So, uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it more. You know, I, I, every day of this past year, with the exception of this weekend, where it was the first time I left, I've been with my son and I never had that for that long with my older two boys. You know what I mean? I never, I never got to see the first steps. I never heard the first words well with my oldest i did because i was at somsi but you know i didn't get to see a lot of that stuff that that you know dads that are home every night see and i've been here every day like working with this guy and like, awesome. and, like hanging out with him and and you know i've been working from home and my wife's been working from home and like when i'm working she's with him when she's working i'm with him and we kind of share that load and, and 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 i've learned to appreciate how hard it is just to be a mom you know what i mean because i'm doing half the chasing and i'm exhausted she does all the feeding and i'm like and and she's exhausted you know and and that's new for me too so you know being being in in the relationship that i am now in the place that i am now mentally and 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 stuff like that it's it's such a more rewarding experience to focus on what really matters in my life and 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 then everything else is is just uh uh static you know what i mean you know and, and like it's one of the greatest blessings i've, I've ever i've ever ign- been aware of you know what i mean i've been you know there are plenty of blessings in my life that maybe just went right over my head and i, di- I didn't acknowledge them but but this is one of those that i know that what i've got is a good thing and i and i know i want it to continue and i fuck man i just do my best every day to to not screw it up <laughs> you know what i mean like where before i was like fuck it all you know i just did you, I, you know i didn't care i was just a different guy back then you know i i had a different attitude it was a very cavalier and selfish attitude 
And, and I think that uh, in a lot of ways I've acknowledged that. And I, I you know, I, I like the man that, I, that, that I'm trying to be a lot more. <laughs> Is that a weird thing to say? Nope, no, not, not at, all. at all. Yeah, man. I, and I think, I think that there's like for guys, especially there's three dudes inside of one body. There's the guy that you are. There's the guy that you want to be. And then there's that naysayer motherfucker that hates you both. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're like, look, man, I just want to be this guy. That's like this amazing guy. And here's how my imagination has cooked this guy up. And then there's that dick that's like, no, no, no. <laughs> I know you. I know who you are. I know where you've been. I know what you've done. You know, he's the guy that knows all your dark secrets. And and uh, and, and and he's the he's that voice in your head that keeps you from pursuing something that could be uh, potentially life-changing and amazing. You know what I mean? So like for me, I just started stopped giving into that other thing. And like said, Hey man, like, I kind of like that dude that I want to be. Why don't I just do that? So yeah. Yeah. Self-doubt's a, it's a mother, man. And a lot of guys, <laughs> yeah. the other thing too about men is, you know, especially I'm a little older than you guys, but you know, men suffer from the disease called alone. Like we don't, we don't, we don't express ourselves well, right? We take oh, a motorcycle. Man, I'm like a blubbery baby now. We are so right. It happened. I got a three-year-old grandson. My wife and I were sitting there the other day, and my wife looked over. We're watching this thing, and my grandson says, "Oh, Papa, you're the best." Big old tear. Boop, got me, got me. Right? Yeah. Man. And my wife goes, my wife goes, "Hey, uh, nobody saw. Nobody's gonna know, right?" Yeah. And I'm like, Can, you know, <laughs> you never think it's gonna happen. But when it does, you realize how much you've missed by suppressing that. Uh And it's like, dudes, just get into it. Well, when I was geographically dislocated from my sons after my divorce and, and, and some things happened and I didn't get to see them for a long time because, because of my own behavior, like, and, and they, and it wasn't because it wasn't anything big. It was just that they didn't want to see me until I got my shit together. <laughs> and, uh, and I kind of, I kind of had to start to reevaluate my relationship with my sons and, and, and like the kind of person that I wanted to be for them. And I, I wasn't always that guy, but I, I started getting very emotional at some point when I realized how fragile, uh, you know, that, that relationship could be and that there are consequences for, for maybe uh, your, your emotional outbursts, you know, especially when it comes to kids and, um, and, uh, you know, I did a lot to try to repair those relationships. Maybe, maybe I went too far as far as like doting goes and in some ways, but, but in other ways, you know, I, I really made a, a concentrated effort to repair the relationship between, between me and my sons, you know, and, and, and because we were geographically dislocated and I didn't want to not have them be in my lives. And, and when you talk about that moment, you know, you know, that, that teary moment, my son was out here this past summer, my, my 20 year old, and he was his first time that he met his little brother, you know, you know, the, the, this little baby and, and, you know, flash is just on the cusp of like being able to push him, his chest up off the ground, but he hasn't really done it yet. And so there's my son on the floor, basically doing a push up with flash and he's, his hand. I posted it on Instagram, but, you know, basically my, my 20 year old pushes himself up and then my, you know, flash pushes himself up and, uh, you know, and, and they look at each other. Uh, fuck man. I, I couldn't run out of the room fast enough. 
I was tripping all over myself because I'm filming, but then I got so choked up that like, like tears instantly sprung to my eyes because here's these, you know, my two, my two boys kind of, you know, bonding. And, and it was a really great experience for me, you know, and, and I don't know if it affected them the same way. I absolutely certainly did not. But uh, those, those moments, I, I live for moments like that. Now I, I want more of those moments where, where I can be overwhelmed with like just positive emotion and joy. Joy is what it is, That's you, right. know, you know, and not of a, not, we don't all let ourselves experience joy and I don't know why not. <laughs> I don't know why not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, back just, to the riding the motorcycles again. Joy. Yeah, it, it, you know, and, and, and riding motorcycles to some extent does bring us pleasure, but it's not joy. No. You know, it's not, it's, not, it's not that same thing. And you know it's not the same thing because that's a solitary meditative experience. That's you connecting with the world around you in, in, in your way. That's you and your and your spouse can be on the back of the motorcycle with you too, you know what I mean? But you're still kind of solitary. And you know, I take my I've taken my wife on on the back of the motorcycle. And we have great rides, but like you know, those really good rides are the ones where you like you're not worried about laying down the bike because in, because your wife's on the back or something like that. You're you you're just connected to something else. But the, so that joy is different. It's a different for me. It's a different sort of experience. I am in love with my family. You know what I mean? And, and it's something that I've let myself do. I've let myself love my family where before maybe I kept them at a distance. You know what I mean? Because I thought I was going to fucking die any second. You know what I mean? As long as the paperwork's all sorted out, they don't need me anyway. I'll just whatever. You know what? I, I, I didn't see myself as even a capable uh, 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 uh adult you know what i'm saying for me it was just about making sure everything was financially squared away and doing the best i could to not f them up it wasn't about connecting emotionally it wasn't about you know enjoying our lives together it was about just doing the best i could to not fuck up and, and when you're living your life to to just not fuck up <laughs> it seems like it's like when you stare at the tree on the bike yeah you know? <laughs> you just you just you're gonna hit it so in, in so in a lot of ways there are parallels you know uh, you know riding the bike and learning to just enjoy the ride and give yourself over to it you know and, and then on it's the same thing with family you know give yourself over to it enjoy it that's what you got into it for uh, a lot of people like to burden themselves with uh, with all of the things all of the negative that can come with a relationship and and then forget about all of the good things and then that becomes the predominant. Um, sort of force in your life is this is this conflict or or whatever instead of instead of uh, focusing on the things that really matter. So uh, for me, I mean, like right now, I'm working for myself, which technically means I'm unemployed <laughs> because I don't pay me that much. <laughs> so, so, so yeah, so I mean, I, you have uh, Monkey Fist Films or uh, production. Now, is yeah, this, the documentary that you did with the Triumph is this a part of that? Yeah. So that's how Monkey Fist Films started was, uh, you know, it's all about just getting a little anchor into the industry, 
You know what I mean? And, and a monkey fist is a, is an anchor you tie into the end of a rope. And in climbing, it's a flexible anchor you can wedge into a crack or something like that and and and, and use. And, and so I like the idea of like that flexibility and, and still being able to anchor yourself somewhere and, and create a handhold where maybe there wasn't one or create create uh, some security where there was. So that's the whole idea behind monkey fist. And, and, and to be, and then the, the idea of like just chasing our own stories that we're interested in. And it's, it did start with my documentary and, and I'll tell you what, I had met my wife before the documentary and my life was different. Her life was different and it, it, everything was casual about our relationship. If, if not professional, and we only had met a handful of times, but there was definitely an energy between the two of us. And then by the time that, you know, I had, I, I went out to the East coast and, and then, you know, filmed and, you know, my life changed drastically. And then I decided to do this ride to kind of soul search. By the time I got back, she was in a very similar place as me. Like our lives had been like converging and then uh and then we started dating and things just kicked off very quickly and and she you know she really is a positive and uh, wonderful uh force in my life and and we run our production company together so so when we talk about our projects that it did kick off with that with that motorcycle documentary but then it also turned into well, you know, well, what other interesting stories can we tell? Well, her family owns a 25,000 square foot marijuana grow and, 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 and dispensary, and they're dealing with the taxes and all of the, all of the problems that come with like this brand new industry that's changing the world, supposedly, or changing. I mean, it's definitely generating a lot of revenue, you know what I mean? For, for the government, at least. <laughs> so, so like it was an opportunity to, to really do uh, something that nobody else has done, which is go behind the scenes of a major marijuana operation and look at what, how it's being run. Look at how things are happening. Look at, you know, like what are the obstacles that, that this family owned and operated business faces? You know, how are they overcoming them? And, and it's not all it's it's not all uh it's it's not all smoke and weed and good times man it's like real business and and it's real money and it's and it's in in the the amounts that they're talking about uh, you know we we get into the billions of dollars of taxes you know that are paid to you know in, in 1.03 to california in 2019 i believe it was so so uh we gathered all of the footage over a few years it started with my with just me with a camera filming you know my in-laws talking about stuff and then my wife grabbed the camera and she started being able i mean she's a little bit more of a fly on the wall you know you know nobody she's part of the business so of course they're going to talk be comfortable talking business in front of somebody that's part of the business so my wife took over the camera and she turned out to be very she's she's already an artist so like she's really gifted with the visual storytelling and then we brought in a, a co-producer and friend, Tony Bartolini, who's who's also a cinematographer and, and camera operator. And and uh, and he he brought a whole other dimension but with 4K footage and like beautiful imagery and 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 really helping to produce the whole thing. And meanwhile, my wife and Tony are doing this whole thing. I'm I'm in I'm in Connecticut doing forest and fire. <laughs> so I've got the easiest job. <laughs> I'm like, what do you need? I'll, I'll arrange some rentals. Uh, you know, yeah, I'll get Tony the hotel. Uh, you know, I became like more like the the line supervisor. You know, but but like still, like like we produced it 
you know, it was three people, three people. It was just the three of us. And, and we brought in Gabe Schiller, a sound guy for, for one day. And he did an amazing job, but, but like that was it. It was, it was just the three of us producing what ultimately became this hour or 55 minute documentary. And we've just like put the final touches on things. I, there might be a couple of little tweaks that we want to do right now. And it's like, where, where do we take it now? And that, and that's where we are right now. And uh, we're a little behind the power curve. Uh, I think just with things being the way they are. And, and of course, uh, I, I, I'm very particular. I'm very particular. And, and my wife is very particular. Um, you, you know, it's hard to release something that's about you and your family. And that applies to both documentaries. I, I, I have a really hard time with the veteran documentary because it does, I do expose a lot of my personal life uh, while I was in the military. And, and it's nothing that I haven't talked about before, but like watching me, watching me talk about that stuff, I want to punch me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, while I'm watching it, it, it's hard to watch yourself on camera go through something, you know what I mean? And go through, you know, this kind of evolution where you're like, oh, my God, like this guy's, you know, having a hard time. So. Uh, so, yeah, that's what's next. The, the, the two is the motorcycle and, documentary out yet? Not yet. Not okay. yet. And that's the one that's the one I'm talking about when I talk about the, the, the veteran the, Okay. Documentary. Yeah, because I interviewed veterans as I crossed the country. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm sure you know, all of our listeners will want to see that one. So yeah, and, and it's I think right now I think the working title initially was uh the uh, American Walkabout, but it kind of turned into the transition project. And and again, it's been a few years in, in the editing, and it's one, it's time, two, it's contract, you know. Uh, I had to really fight to be able to even release anything that had me in it without the approval of, you know, my producers at Forged and Fire. So like, these are things that had to be worked out in contract after I had already filmed all the, all of the, uh, you know, principal photography and stuff. And then like hiring an editor, I hired an editor to edit and then she put together a pretty good edit, but then, you know, I'm watching it. I'm like, man, this is an hour and 58 minutes. And, you know, I'm a military guy and I'm listening to, to this documentary and I'm, and I'm watching the documentary. And, and while it's I, I, I just couldn't. So I started. So I was like, OK, great job. We got a great start. And then I ended up buying my own editing equipment and 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 then and got everything that I needed to really do it and then chopped it down to like 58 minutes. And, uh, and, and I still have work to do on it and, and I still have interesting characters. And then it gets to a point, like, how do I edit this guy, this guy's hour and 42 minute interview when he's telling me about extortion 17 for 27 of those minutes mm. and, and recovering the, the casualties from extortion 17. How do I edit that? How do, how do I go in and say, oh, this, this bit of information is more important than this bit of information, and this should be my documentary, and this shouldn't. It, for me, as a veteran, I hate it when people edit the things that I say and chop it up and, and then every thing gets put out of context. Yeah. And, and so I'm hyper aware of the reputations of the people that, that, that I interview and, and, and what kind of, a, 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 
how I'm cutting up those interviews. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to denigrate or take away from anything that they said. So I'm like, maybe I should just post the individual interviews in whole, you know, on, on YouTube. So again, it's like, how do I put it out and how do I put it out in the best possible way that, that really illustrates, you know, the gravity of, of that trip and what these veterans had to say about transitioning out of the military. You know, I, I don't want to, you know, when Antonio Rue is, is is talking about jumping into Panama and, and going through the trauma of like finding his homie shot in the head and like, you know, doing doing medical treatment and then later on going to prison, you know, for for some shit that he was doing as a security guard. I mean, like, how do you edit that guy's very emotional and very, very uh, intricate and detailed life into like a documentary that's about me trying to come to terms with my own transition. Those are the issues that I'm running into and, and, and my own integrity uh, won't let me like, I, I don't know. It'll, I don't know if you can understand what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I, I, I get an idea. I don't envy you in the position that you're in because each one of those, I mean, that's a two, three hour, you know, documentary yeah. just in each one of those stories. But well, it, yeah, I mean, all of the other stories that go to. involved with it, it's that's oh, there's so many layers to 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 the even the whole trip. It took me two weeks. I was on Facebook every night. I was doing you know videos on my phone. So like the media is the media is all crossed over, and it's not you know. So there's some some footage that's HD, no problem, 1080p HD, and then there's other stuff that's all choppy and grainy and. And, you know, when you, when you talk about doing a solo documentary and it's your first one, man, I don't want it to look amateur. You know what I mean? I know what I'm trying to what I'm trying to get out there. I know I can put out a, a professional product, but I think for for all of the logistics and, and everything that I was doing, uh, it, I have to do it the right way. You know what I mean? I, it wasn't a student film. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is this is this is a documentary, you know, that that can really, I think, in in my mind, turn into something else, turn into something else. And 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 it's something that I would like to continue. I would like to continue to interview veterans. I would like to continue to travel to the places that they live and where they reside and talk to them about their lives and 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 you know th their transitions and and what's great for them and what it's like to be in their community, what they expect from their futures. You know what I mean? Like I I like talking about those things because it also ignites a fire in them. You know, when you start talking about your expectations for yourself and, and then for your family and, and your community, you're like, well, how come I'm not achieving those now? You know what I mean? So so for me, that's that's what it can. How come I'm not achieving all of these things that I'm talking about that I want? You know, what I mean, what's blocking me from doing that stuff? Well, sometimes just talking about your expectations with a veteran or how things are going gets them moving in the right direction. Uh, I, I told Andy Stumpf on his podcast that I thought the military was doing an F minus with, with transition. You know what I mean? And I've thought that for a long time. Years. Um, and, and I've thought it since my dad transitioned out of the military and I've never gotten a follow-up phone call from anybody to say, you know, any, in any official capacity whatsoever to say, you know, Hey, how's it going? How's it going? Say, man? Man. Did you find that job that we told you about it at your at your three day out processing? <laughs> it's like, you know, so and, and, and then, you you know, so it's uh, it's definitely something that is poorly addressed in our society. Yeah. yeah, with yeah the especially of, from the PTSD standpoint, you know, they know who has it. 
It's not it's, just it's in yes. our VA records. They, there's no follow up. There's no it, this. I like what you've done. Uh, sort of segue into your your Instagram with your um, your motivational Mondays. Uh, yeah, and good stuff. Yeah, thank you. I and and you know what? That and that's just something that I started. We don't all have. We're not all. We don't all have PTSD. We're not all. You know, I, I hate that. I hate, and, and I know me and a, there's a bunch of other guys that feel the same way. I hate this broken soldier sort of mentality. Okay, great. I have borderline personality disorder. That didn't come from the military. That came from my parents. You know what I mean? That, that came from a totally different place. Blame it on something else. You know what I mean? Did I get into a career field that fed my impulses? Hell yeah. Hell yeah, I did. And I enjoyed the shit out of it, you know? Um, <clears throat> after I got out, you know what I mean? Uh, those impulses, I couldn't, they weren't fed anymore. And, and that's where, that's where I had to, to, to make, to, to learn more about myself. And that's where more veterans need to kind of learn about themselves and, and be open to the idea of, of like, Hey man, like you can't do it all yourself all the time. You can't, you can't. And, and if you think you can, then, then you're going to find yourself on a, on a lonely Island. Uh, but, um, the mental health Mondays is just about, it's about in general, like attitude. It's not just about your mental health. It's about how's your attitude today? You know, like, are you in a bad mood? Are you a good mood? I mean, what would it take to, to like just switch gears? You know, because I, there are days that I wake up and I'm just freaking grumpy from the get go, you know, and, 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 you know, those things can have an overriding effect on, on, on your day and on your, and on your personal life. So, you know, that's, that's just kind of what it's all about. You know, I, I think that people, I think that people nowadays have a tendency to really get sucked into a negative space and it's unnecessary. Yeah. Are you gonna, yeah. It's sad. Oh, you're, some people, some people like living there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Man. <laughs> I don't know why, but they do. Um, I think that, you know, we we're talking about the, you know, men suffer from the disease called alone. I think a lot of times veterans do as well. And with the number of suicides, the alarming number of suicides, you know, especially in the male population, right? It's, uh, it's time to, it's time to talk to each other. It's time to talk to your somebody and it's, t it's time to, uh, to make sure that their voice is heard. It's a crowd that's, it, you know, it reminds me of, uh, I was in college. We had a guy who was little school, all American. He gets his leg broke. Uh, long story short, he was a cast off. Like, you know, like we can't use you anymore. So you're no good to me anymore. And it's yeah. kind of how the military is it's like, Hey, while you were in, you served a purpose. That's great. You know, good men go do bad things so people can sleep at night. And then when you get out, it's like, yeah, we're done with you, man. Yeah. But that's, but here's the thing. That's where the American Legion your uh your vfws and stuff like that were created to kind of to kind of fill that gap but yeah. for some reason there 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 became like a, an ill repute you know what i mean they, they there became a negative you know this kind of i don't know this reputation for like being a, a place where freaking bar flies go to trade war stories and and uh and 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 just kind of being kind of these seedy places and i don't know how that came about or whatever, but the only people that care about veterans are veterans, you know what I mean? And veterans families, you know, everybody else is lip service and, you know, all these, all these freaking, uh... okay. Yeah. 
Everybody else, I think that if you go to the Warrior games and you look in the stands, and I and I again, I told somebody else this, you know what I mean? You're going to see what America really thinks of veterans and veteran sacrifices, and it's and it's almost insulting. So, uh, so uh, I love our veterans those because I'm one of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Those are my brothers and sisters in arms, and and whether whether we chewed the same dirt and and spilled blood in the same places or whatever, or, or trained or, or or know the same people, uh, the fact that the warrior spirit connects us is, is there, and and those are the people that I care about. You know what I mean? Even the ones that like went to jail and did stupid shit. You know what I mean? I wrote a letter of I, I I wrote a letter for my homie who was on trial for murder out in Vegas. You know what I mean? Like a character a character reference, and I can only speak to his character. You know what I mean? From when I knew him. Right. You know what I mean? But uh, but it, it, but that's what I did because that's what I could do for him. I couldn't do anything else for him. And and you know what, man? I was really fucking emotionally broke up about it. I felt at fault, like I failed him as his team leader, and that's how he got where he was. You know what I mean? And and I've reached out to him since then. He was a uh, he was a uh, he was a uh, what do you want to call it? He was found not guilty, or the trial was thrown out, or whatever. I mean, he he's out and free now. But um, but uh, yeah, you know, I've reached out to him to like reconnect, and you know, he hasn't reached back, and and you know, maybe that's it. You know, he's living a different lifestyle or whatever, but like. You know, I still have a connection to those guys and I still have a love for somebody like that. Like you, yeah, you fucked up, but here's what I knew about you. And here's what I think of you. And it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. It was all love, man. I love that mother. I called him Miho. I love that motherfucker. You know what I mean? And, and, uh, and the way that we went separate ways, he ended up getting a medical discharge and I, and I was really hard on him at the end. I wrote him that letter, uh, just the character reference, and it was all about like, you know, how how he was as a as a ranger, you know what I mean? And that's all I could really attest to. And 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 we we chatted a little bit back and forth on the email, I think, when he was in jail and really needed needed to hear from somebody. Yeah. And uh, and then since I haven't heard from him, and I don't know why. I hope it's not because he feels like he can't talk to me about what's going on and i hope it's not because he feels like he got one over on me either you know what i mean but um but uh you know i just wrote what was in my heart and like everybody stumbles everybody falls you know and and how do we get back up well sometimes you need a hand so you know that's that's the how i kind of engaged on it i didn't know if he was guilty i don't know if he was innocent that wasn't my job to determine i just i just wrote what i knew about the guy and it wasn't bad stuff. It was it was good stuff. He was a good man, you know. So at, when I knew, so but you know things can take a turn. You know you could be a bad man and and take a turn for for the better. You know what I mean? What's up, my dude? You okay? But anyway, that's kind of the moral of that story. Well, I think everybody can can definitely benefit from knowing somebody out there gives a shit. And yeah, it's I think it's one of those things where you know pride goes before the fool. And a lot of times pride, you know, it's like, I'm too proud to call you and say, thanks, Will, for writing that letter for me. It's not even about that, man. I would just really like to see the guy and say, hey, man. No, he's doing okay. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not about, it's not about thank yous or anything like, dude, I wish we had stayed in contact before. You know what I mean? We didn't have Facebook back then. We didn't have all of this stuff, you know, and and even your phone number changed more often. So, you know, what are you going to do? 
Yeah. Well, listen, man, I can't thank you enough for spending the time with us. It was phenomenal getting a chance to cover so many topics with you. Uh, yeah. I really appreciate your time and uh, being gracious with your time and putting yeah. up with James's uh, editing, you know, technique where he just shuts the thing off when he wants to make a cut. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know what, man? It's okay. I, I understand. I understand. You got to do. You got to do what you have to do. You know what I mean? And and like I said, you know, like I said before, you know, believing in yourself and 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 what you could do with your own imagination, your own resources is is a lot of times uh, uh, very empowering. You know what I mean? So right yeah, I, I definitely want to say thank you. And uh, just a couple quick things. Your time with the PJs. Were you with Scott Morrison? Do you know him? Man, I, I don't know. I, 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 to be honest, I don't remember working with a Morrison when I was at, at any of the units that I was at. You okay. know, not for any sustained period of time. I could have jumped with them one place. I could have done a course of instruction with them another. There are PJs that I remember. I very inaccurately, on a different podcast, said that a PJ had passed away. And, and he hadn't, and I ha- had him mixed up with another guy, and I feel like such a fucking douchebag about it. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, my God. I said, God rest his soul, and he's, like, alive and well in Arizona. You know, like, fuck. <laughs> like, as I, was, as I was, like, you know, wrapping up this interview, I was like, holy shit, man. Did I say that that guy was dead? You know, like, fuck. I'm, I'm the biggest dick alive, you know? like. So, you know, I, I think that, <laughs> only three dudes that were in the military could actually laugh about you calling saying somebody was dead is that no, what's that say about podcast. us man wrong. I mean, i'm not laughing about it no you know, i'm like, laughing at you i feel such a dick about it you know what i mean you know there's if you're gonna be like oh my People are going to be like, oh, my God, you're such a freaking dumbass. Why the hell? And aren't you keeping up with things? And I'm like, no, I'm not. You know, I can't keep up with everything. I'm doing the best I can, you know. No, so I'm just thinking of it from the position of being the guy. So if it was me and you that served and you had said, God rest, you know, James's soul, I'd be like, hey, that motherfucker just killed me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, fuck, dude, I feel so bad about it. But uh, oh, I've been dude. just happy he remembered me. Huh? I don't, you know what I'm saying? It's like, hey, well, I ain't dead, but thanks for calling me out, bro. <laughs> At least you remember my name. <laughs> there are plenty of guys that are like, fuck that guy, Will Willis. What a what a freaking <laughs> douchebag. Yeah. <laughs> and I and I don't know if this particular guy is one of them, but uh, I hope not. I really respect the hell out of the guy. I said I said really nice things after I said God rest him. You know what I mean? I said really nice things that I would have said I would have said to his face too. I think I even told him to his face that I respected him at one point. But um, but uh, you know, I mean it's it's just the ebb and flow of things. It's just how you know I, I exactly uh, and I, I do want to say, you know. What, what the listeners didn't hear is when we, we first kicked this off and it was just me and you on the call, you know, I, I'm being James, James, you know, he's getting straight to the point of, you know, I want to make sure that the podcast is going great. And you'd actually stop me and said, Hey man, how was your day? And to me, that speaks to your character of who you are. And it really touched me. I mean, to the point where I'm making sure that I make a mention of it now, you know, it, that's one of the things that, how was your day today? Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, my day today was amazing. I mean, I, I got home late last night from the airport and, uh, you know, I got to spend the morning with my wife and my son. And, then, you know, I did a podcast before this podcast. So I had actually lined up, you know, a oh, few sweet. podcasts to do this week. And uh, in the hopes of, you know, having different news, you know, but uh, but, you know, we got what we got. I'm a little behind the power curve and, and uh, hopefully we won't keep you any longer. So, yeah, yeah. We appreciate your time. Anytime that you want to get back on here, yeah. talk about you know the cars, yeah. talk about the bikes, talk about bourbon, cigars, whatever. Yeah, man, I I loved I love talking to you guys today about 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 the veteran stuff. I love talking about the motorcycles and, and and the cars and stuff. I really enjoyed our conversation. And uh, you know, I know it's skewed a little and a little spiritual, but I'm flighty like that. I go all over the place. You know, that's so. how you're good. That's yeah. a fuel stop chat, man. That's how it works. That's how it is, yeah. I hope that you guys had a good time and you enjoyed yourselves as well. Outstanding. So. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. Cool, Thanks so much. Hopefully, uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Later on. Thanks. All right, later. Ride her out. Ride her out. <laughs> I don't know what that means. That's, that's how we end our. Yeah, that's how we end our call. That's why Chris just clicked off. He's like, "Fuck it, I'm out." Boom. Whiskey, whiskey out. <laughs>